I haven't even started, and you're already standing. <laughs> I hope you're not ready to leave already. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here, such a blessing to share the Word of God with you. And if you're wondering why there's a Spanish congregation I'm speaking, there's a translation uh, that is going through, so I'm grateful for that as well. Let's get to the Word of God. I want you to join me and go to Mark. You just read this on your Immersed Bible, which I love, by the way. I don't know if it happened to you, but I will sometimes read through the Immersed. And it's like, wait, wait a second. I think this was added. I will go to the normal version I read. And it's like, no, I've just been reading it and never saw that. So I think it's, it's really wonderful. It's a great experience to have a different uh, perspective or a different way of reading it. You, you get enriched on your, your spiritual journey. Let's go to um, Mark chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to read one verse. And talking about Jesus, he said, And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a wall around it and dug a vat under the winepress and built a tower and rented out to the, to the vine growers and went on a journey. I think it's very interesting. And, you know, I've always read this uh, passage as the uh, wicked tenants, you know, it's always, we make so much focus about what got ruined, what got messed up. But I, before we get into all that, I'm not going to touch on that subject. I want us to look at God's design because he has a design for each one of us. You need to understand that before there was a temple to worship in, there was a garden. That was God's purpose, not just to come and have an individualistic expression. I like the music. I like the preaching. You know, it's about me. But it's actually God intended for us to be planted in a place so we can flourish in human reality. That's what he wanted. He, wanted, he just didn't want to have members. He wanted you to be planted in a place. And, and when we have ministries like, like Dr. Marty was speaking and Immersed Bible, those are opportunities. You know, what happens on Wednesday, choir rehearsals, all those things, more than just activity or liturgical activities, are places or opportunities for you to be planted in the Lord so he can also make you flourish. Now, it's a place for humans to be planted. And here's the interesting thing, that he planted a seed, and before there was any visual uh, reaction, before there was a plant, before there was a fruit, God already put everything in place. You know, he's, he planted a vineyard, and then he put a wall around it to protect it. And he also put a wine press to process the grape. And he also built a tower, but there was no visible plant yet. You, you know, you, don't you think it's interesting that God, he has a plan, he has a design. Way before we get into trouble, he has already got an answer. You know, Way before there was a need, there was provision. That's what exactly what it's saying. It's not that I, get, I might get into trouble. I might get to be like, how am I going to pay this? How am I going to do that? God already has control over that. All I need to do is, yes, I need to be diligent, but I need to trust that he has a plan. He has a destiny. He has things that are saved for me. So what, what you need to understand is 
in that place of being planted, he has provided every single thing along the way. Before there was a plant, everything was taken care of. He didn't just brought you here and, and you're like, all right, you figure it out on your own. No, he already has a plan. He's got good plans. He has good things waiting for you. And what you need to understand is that he is ahead of the game. You know, it's very interesting how the life and ministry of Jesus walked in so much power. And obviously, he was 100% God and 100% human. And it, it's so easy to be disconnected. Well, that's what Jesus did. I can't, I can't be like Jesus. But what you need to understand is he decided to live in a way that will be an inspiration and model what you can achieve as well. And they didn't stay there. He said, you know what? If you follow me, you will make even greater things. And sometimes we compare ourselves short to that. But every word of God is subject to two things. And I want to talk to you about that a little bit. He planted the vineyard. So he, it, everything starts with what God says, what God intends. Things don't start where my need hurts. Things don't start when my problem is. Everything starts with what God has said. The book of Revelations 13.8 says that the lamb was slain even since the beginning of creation. Before Adam, God already had an answer for that. See, you, th you think God gets caught up? It's like, oh, Adam did what? <laughs> we just started writing these pages and he already in a mess. But the lamb was slain even since the beginning of creation of the earth. And Jesus walked in the level of power because he could reconcile with what God has said about him. The book of uh, Mark uh, 9 verse 51 said, when the beginning, when, when the time of the appointed time, it says, that he was received, that he was about to be received from heaven. Jesus set his mind towards Jerusalem. I want you to understand that. Jesus was walking in ministry. Jesus was doing what he was supposed to do. But suddenly, the next step he took, it meant what God had said thousands of years before. He said, I'm stepping into that now. So every word of God it's always attached to time and action. If you want not just hear the word of God, if you want to bring it to a reality, yeah, preaching and sermons are great, but if they don't come to reality, what happens? There's frustration and we're sad and why, why God has forgotten about me? Because sometimes we don't understand time. Everything is about timing. The book of Luke Jesus is uh, opening uh, the scripture and is reading on Isaiah 61. And he's reading through and everything. Okay, it's great. So he sits, sits down and says, now that word, it's been fulfilled today. He walked in fulfillment of time. He said the right things at the right time, but he walked every word of God. It's always attached to time. And action. So when you hear the word of God and, and it does something in your spirit, ask yourself, Lord, or ask the Lord, Lord, when and how? 
I want to get involved in this. Because you need to understand. I want, the first thing I want to talk to you about is language. The importance of language. Because language is the tool that God used to create everything. He could have said, I'm the architect. He is the blueprint. Go angels, work on it. He could have said that easily. He could have created man and, and said, all right, here's your job. You build, what, what, what you, where are you going to live? But he, before man was created, he preferred the tool of language. Not only words, language. And you need to understand a couple of things. It is that he wants to co-create. When he created you, he gave you the ability to communicate. So not just we have a lot of to, to things to say, but you will have the ability. He wants to co-create with you. The same he did in the beginning. He wants to partner with you and create a future that is expected for you. Do you believe that? Now, here's the thing. Because language, the very first thing that you need to understand about language is that it's descriptive. Language is descriptive. That's the most basic form of language. Ow, it hurts. Oh, it's so hot. Oh, my goodness, I don't understand what, what they're saying. I don't know why they're doing it. I don't know why this happens to me. You, all you're doing is describing what's going on. So that's the, more, the, the most basic form of language. It's descriptive. And it's nothing bad with it. It's not like I'm expecting you to lie about it. Yeah, it's just describing what's going on. But it's very interesting that in Ezekiel 37, there's an amazing story happening there. By the Spirit of God, Ezekiel is brought to a place where there's a, a field uh, full of bones. And it's interesting that, that he started, uh, Ezekiel starts describing as the bones were really dry. It wasn't just like kind of dry. It's just like, behold, they were dry indeed. They were really, really dry. Because a lot of times when you describe, also you end up judging what you're describing. Oh, they don't understand me. Oh, and maybe it's just communication. Maybe it's just getting along a little bit better. But usually we jump into conclusions. We are only describing the situation. And he says, they were really dry. There's no hope. And then God asks something. I love it when God asks because it's not like he doesn't know. He wants you to know. Do you know? Adam, where are you? He doesn't, it's not like he didn't know. He's asking, Adam, do you know where you are? Because you might be lost. And did you where? And so God confronts. And here's the thing. God does not confront to punish or to embarrass. God confronts in the language that he's speaking because the second thing about language is that it's generative. Language is descriptive, but language is also generative. God does not live in the realm of just description. That's where we live as humans. God always lives in the, in the place of language of generation. He's always generating something. And so he asked Ezekiel, hey, Ezekiel, um, can these bones live? I know you just said they were very dry. 
You close the book. There's no hope for this. I mean, you saw it. You saw that reality, and you stay there. Can these bones live? And so he says, oh, well, only you know. It's not what I see, but you know better than me. And they partner in co-creating a new reality. They join together, and suddenly from the same mouth that closed the book and made a judgment and said, there is no hope for these bones, were coming the words of God, and suddenly bones start shaking. Things were starting to tremble, putting all the pieces together, cartilages, nerves, and skin happening because of the same mouth speaking a different language. And so when we pray, and obviously, please come to a prayer meeting. And, and ask for prayer. I'm not saying you should avoid just talking. But a lot of times we spend so much energy in describing our problem and how much it hurts and how much it happened. Oh, you don't understand that you need to start talking to the problem, not just about the problem. You need to start saying, Lord, we're going we're gonna to partner today. I don't understand the outcome of this. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. But we're going to partner in this. We're going to be together. And we're going to generate a different possibility. I am tired of describing. I'm tired of living the same thing. I'm tired of being in the same place. I am open to a new reality. I am open to face something different. And that's going to come from my mouth. We're going to join together in speaking future. We're going to join together in creating a different reality. Yeah, it hurts. Of course it does. I'm not saying avoid your present situation. I'm not saying don't pay your bills. I'm not saying don't confront that or, or don't confront what's going on in your family. I'm not saying that. Please do. But generate a possibility. That's what I'm saying this morning. Stop talking so much about. Start talking to he built a wall around it. That wall was meant to protect because how are you going to protect through language? Decisions that you had to make. And so it was a place of protection. It was a place to keep. It was a fence that was around. So it was necessary in that moment, obviously. But then he built also a wine press. And I remind you, there is still no plant. There is no visual anything. There's nothing that has come out, sprouted from the earth. But God is already in the work of the next stage. See, you think that, all right, God, I'm going to take this step. He's already three steps ahead of you, if, if that. Ten steps, a hundred steps. So when, you, you, when, you, when you're saying, I'm waiting on God, actually, he's waiting on you. <laughs> he's waiting on you. When you're thinking, uh, I, think, I think I'm going to go to church. I think I'm going to start doing this. I think he already has plans. He's just expecting you to make a decision. This is a year of making decisions. I believe that. I don't know where you are. I don't know what your expectations are. But we'll start with aligning ourselves with the word of God, with what he has said. And the time is perfect. The time, the season is awesome. So we'll make the right decisions. He said a wine press. Now, a wine press was a place where the grape, is a, it was a place of transition. It's not like the wine press changed who the grape was. It just changed the state of it 
It was the same grape. It just changed from one state to the other. It was a place of transition. And we all need, God even says, nobody, Jesus said, nobody puts new wine in old wineskin. And sometimes we're so worried, especially, you know, us preachers, we're trying to, Lord, give me the new wine. I want, I want, to, I want to have this, this four-point message, and I want to do this, I want to do this. And obviously it's a good thing. And we worry about the new wine that we forget that that belongs to God. The new wine belongs to God, but my part is that I need to become a new wineskin. So when you become a new wineskin, the Lord says, I'm going to put, I'm going to deposit new wine into you because you can hold it. God is an administrator. God says, no, I cannot put my new wine. Because what the wine will do, especially new wine, is that it needs oxygen and new and wineskins back then. Now they're glass and they're fancy and all that. But back then it was made out of animal skin. And so what the uh, reaction between the new wine, oxygen, and the wineskin is that it will stretch it. Sometimes when God gives you, and this is, this is amazing, because every time that God speaks, it will always stretch you. See, God never speaks to my comfort zone. He never does. He will always bring something new, and it will be like stretching. I love when Pastor Dan talks about the whole idea of, of, all, this, of all the languages and all together. And, and I remember he, we were talking about, you know, people were asking other churches, give me your formula, give me your... And he said, all I did was say yes to the Lord. He didn't know all the answers, but it would stretch him. But he said yes. Every time God wants to speak to you, you need to make sure that you are, you are a new wineskin. You need to be ready to be stretched this morning. You need to be ready to stretch and be like, Lord, I don't want to just another message. I don't want just another Bible reading. I want you to stretch my life. I am ready for something new this morning. I am ready for something new. I expect something new from you, Lord. So he creates a place of pressing. Now, we talked about the importance of language. And the second thing I want to talk to you about is responsibility. And I know you're going to see it in the screen and you're thinking, well, 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 well. I know that grammar is not right and it's intentional. Because responsibility, it's not just following a set of rules, but it actually is the ability to respond correctly. How do you respond to things. And here's, the, here's the, the catch. I may not have all the power to control the circumstances around me, but I will always be 100% responsible to how I react and deal with them. I might not be, <laughs> by special request, I may not be, or I may not have all the power to control the circumstances around me. But I will always be 100% responsible to how I react, respond to it. I, may, I didn't choose where I was born. I didn't choose who my family 
if I had any, or I didn't choose uh, where my parents lived, I didn't choose any of those things. Yet, I can always have a victim mentality. And I don't want to minimize your pain. Uh, please, please don't, don't, don't uh, misunderstand me. I'm not minimizing, oh, you need, you're, you're just overreacting. It doesn't hurt that much. I'm not saying that. But I want you to understand, we're learning this morning how to change that. How to look differently. And you might feel like, well, you know, you, you don't know the kind of husband I have. Oh, you don't know the kind of wife I You don't know. You, you really don't know my kids. You, you, your kids behave well. You, you don't know this kid. And I may not. But I may not control what's around me. But I will always be 100% responsible of how I deal with it. And that's exactly what happened. There's a storm, and the disciples and Jesus were in the boat, and a huge storm. They, I mean, this is seasoned people. They knew how to deal with storms. They were fishermen, and a lot of them. And, and there's a huge, huge storm happening, and Jesus is asleep. See how interesting it is? They're, oh, my God, are we going to die? Are we going to do this? It is a huge storm. And then, they, you know, the story, and Jesus, they wake up Jesus, and Jesus calms the storm and tells them, man of little faith. Now, he didn't call them men of little faith because he's saying, oh, you were overreacting. That storm wasn't that bad. I mean, come on. You know, it was just sprinkling. It wasn't even raining. He didn't minimize the storm. He talked about or he questioned their faith. So when God is dealing with you, he's not saying, oh, come on, you can get over that. No, he understands the level of pain you're going through. He understands how big that mess is, but he only questions your faith. Can, you, can we partner together? Because how, it's not how big the storm is, it's how you respond to it. If you see Jesus, he wasn't afraid, he wasn't nervous about the whole thing. He knew exactly how to deal with it. And he was asleep. He was taking a nap. So the next time that you're in the middle of the storm, turn to Jesus. If he's taking a nap, go take a nap with him. <laughs> it's all going to be good. He, he's got under control. He's got under control. Take a nap. Responsibility. Now, I've got a confession to make here. You know, um, I've been working uh, with my weight management and working out, and I, I've, it has taken me a, a long, I've still got a long way to go for those who has, uh, met me. I met Stephen in, what, 2004, and it was, it was a different person here than it, what it is today. Um, and I've been working out, and I've got to be honest with you, you know, uh, I've been working out since started uh, going, coming to Bethesda and being on staff because I noticed something. I didn't want to be the chubby pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. I didn't want to be that guy. You know, Brent has had an amazing transformation. You know, Josh here was a, a high school superstar in football. Michael with skinny jeans and, you know, Ron doing the gladiator thing. Pastor Dan always looking good, always looking great. I didn't want to be the chubby pastor. So, you know, I've been working on it. I don't want to be referred to that like old 
all the guys trimmed and doing well. And not me. But not all me. I'm getting there. I need your encouragement. I need your pity. <laughs> keep doing. Keep going. You're doing well. That's what I need to hear. I'm almost there. But I was working out, and, you know, I've got a person that is helping me. And, and you know, I'll be uh, going through stuff and moving around. And, and that person will be looking at me, smiling. It's like, is it hurting? Mm-hmm. Well, good. That's what we want. Mm-mm. That's not what we want. Mm-mm. But this week, while I was praying and, and I was at the gym and, and I was thinking about the, all this, suddenly I was in pain and I was praying and something hit me. And it was the pain you feel is the fuel for your transformation. Because until it hurts, nothing's going to change. You might go and be walking and be like, whew, I'm going to take the selfie for Instagram. I'm going to throw myself some water so I look like I was working out. But nothing will change until it hurts. So I had to pick my pain. I had to pick it. I had to go through it and I had to respond to it because that takes me to the next step. Which is God or Jesus build not only a wall to protect a fence. He didn't put the wine press for uh, you to be processed from one state to the other. But he also put a tower. Because what you need to understand, a fence is limiting. I'll, for example, give an example. A womb. It was a place for, re, uh, it was a place for protection. And you need to be careful because what protected you yesterday could be limiting you today. There's a timing thing. And I know that, uh, you know, uh, uh, women like to, you know, pad and they feel the kicks and they, all the experience of it. And they love it. But if that baby doesn't come out, it's trouble. If that baby doesn't come out, it's trouble. It can kill you. And he'll kill that baby. So there's a timing. That's why God created us in cycles. So doctors can determine a due date. And it doesn't matter if you have, oh, you know what? Um, I, I have a big appointment that day. You know, I've got stuff to do that day. No, it doesn't ask you. You need to be ready for it to come out. You need to be ready. And as lovely as that womb is for the baby, it can end up killing it over time. So that fence was not enough. It needed a tower so you can have two things. And the first thing is they needed a different perspective. It needed to see beyond that fence. And you didn't see what was going on because there is a huge difference between being protected and being contained. There's a huge difference between protection and confinement. That's what happened to Jericho. Jericho was so locked up that nothing will come in, but nothing could come out. Nothing would happen. And if you want to kill something, Stop moving it. 
When you go to the doctor, before they prescribe you stuff, they tell you, hey, you should start moving. Get something going. Because in the movement, there is life. And so obviously, uh, they, for the stage where they were, they needed that fence. They needed that wall for protection. But God didn't just stay there. He said, you need to see beyond those things. And he lifted up a tower. He can see the horizon. So a new perspective. And you need to understand that successful people is not always those who are well-funded. Successful people is not those who have the right connections. Successful people are those who have mastered the art of interpretation you see before there was a need before you know people were asking about it somebody already had an answer for it somebody already had a product in mind somebody already had before they they somebody gave him the answer they figure it out on their own that's exactly what happened to joseph you know, we, Joseph goes in through this process, and he's going down and down and down and down, and nothing is happening. And suddenly he's in jail. He's in the pit. He's in the worst place of his life. And he sees an opportunity. And before he interprets the dream, he interprets the situation. Because he could have said easily, easily, you know what, all this interpreting dreams, look where it got me. I'm done with this, Lord. You can just kill me. I, I, I am done with this. But he, he sees an opportunity and he gets ready and takes it. And when Pharaoh is calling him, it's not like he's like, well, you know, it's same, same old, same old. It happened to me again. It, it, it just had to be me. But actually, the Bible says in Genesis that he shaved, he changed his clothes, he got ready because there was an opportunity about to happen before it was offered anything. He was, he was ready for the job even before he heard the offer. He said, I'm, I'm going to go and see Pharaoh. He might kill me, but I'm, there's a possibility there. There's a chance for me there. So you need to understand. You need to create with your language. You need to be responsible with how you deal with things around you. But you need to master the art of interpretation. Master the art of interpretation. Because we don't see the world, the Talmud, the Jewish Talmud says, that we don't see the world as it is. We see it as we are. So things are not at face value a lot of times. What you're going through is not necessarily how you see it. It's just what you're seeing it's how you're seeing it. Because even to the cross, to the disciples, it looked like the worst could happen. In the human eyes, it looked like Jesus was, um, uh, he, he, he lost. But actually he won. So at the cross, where the devil was saying, yes, I killed him. God was, God was saying, yes, we're winning now. It's a perspective. It's interpretation. That's why Jesus didn't run away from it. Because he knew what could happen. He knew there was a possibility. He knew there was a chance. And we need to understand that towers are also not a place of having a perspective, but also a place of launching. 
If you're inside the wall, you can, you're throwing stuff, but you don't see where you're hitting. Hopefully, ho- hopefully you're hitting something. But when you're in the tower, you can actually see. And the Bible in Psalms 127 compares us to arrows. The Bible compares to us to a lot of things, but it compares us to arrows. Now, arrows are very interesting because a lot of times we can be doing the right things for the wrong reasons. The, the word sin is not just breaking the law. Actually, the word sin, before it was a religious word, it was an archery word that meant missing the target. That's what sin means, missing the target. So when you're aiming and you miss the target, that's sin. So you can be well-behaved, but you're not hitting the target, you're in sin. That's what it's saying. When you're not hitting your purpose, you're in sin. Unless it's his, the Psalm, Psalms 127, that we are like arrows in the hand of a brave one. Because you need to understand that process of arrows. That's what I'm finishing with. Those arrows, you cannot aim them unless there's tension. Once you grab that arrow, you will feel that there's a tension in that retraction. And you might be in the middle saying, Lord, I'm doing everything in my power. I am coming to church. I'm tithing. I'm doing everything. But there's this tension that I don't understand. I'm not sure where it came from. What you need to know is that tension only magnifies acceleration. More tension bigger distance. When that's, that's why you're feeling the heat in life. That's why God allows for you to go through things because that tension that you feel will eventually become the release in your life. Don't avoid the tension. Just aim. Because nobody can aim directly until there's that tension. And in that breaking point moment where things are shaking and it feels like I'm not going to make it, suddenly. That's why the psalmist said that the Lord makes my feet quick like the deer. Because of the tension I was in mean that result in my release in 2019. I don't know how 2018 was, but I'm here to tell you, Bethesda, that the tension of 2018 would only mean the release of 2019. Nothing's holding you back. Nothing's stopping you anymore. Nothing is obstructing you anymore. Nothing is in the way. Nothing in this way. So I want you to stand up. I want you to stand up and praise him for a minute. If you're released this morning, I want you to praise him. If you're ready for the new stage, if you're ready to see a change in your life, if you're ready, say, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. I'm not, a, I'm not avoiding the tense anymore. I'm not avoiding the pain. I'm facing through. I'm facing through. Because when I'm there working out, Oh, my goodness. It hurts. It's painful. Oh, you don't know how much it hurts. You only get to see the transformation. 
I may not understand what you're going through, but I'm here to tell you, I want to see your transformation. I'm here, I'm here to see you differently. I want to see you changed. I'm not sure what you're going through this morning. All I'm saying is, if God allowed tension in your life, it was a purpose. I read something, an article, a tweet that said, things you never feel bad about afterwards. What things you don't feel bad or remorse after you've done it? Because a lot about all the things I feel bad, should feel bad, one of them was working out. It might feel, oh, I need to go again. Here I go again. But the feeling afterwards, and you're like, I'm in the middle of transformation. What I went through, see, that's when pain becomes a purpose. That's what pain makes sense. After a release, you understand tension. But I'm here to tell you, you may not understand what happened in the years before. You may not understand why, but I'm here to tell you, you're here. It didn't kill you. It didn't stop you. It might have distracted you some, but I'm here to tell you, you're here. And you're about to be released. So I want you to close your eyes. Lift up your hands. If you're ready to be released, I'm not sure what, family tension, financial sickness, I'm not sure what you're going through. But I pray for you, Bethesda. I pray for you, Bethesda. I prophesy over you, Bethesda, that the tension you have felt in the past and the tension you're feeling this morning, the tension you've been feeling this week, it's only fueling the acceleration. <laughs> because what could have taken you years is going to take months. It's going to take days. Because you were able to resist. You were able to go through that process. You did not avoid the tension. You conquered it. And I pray that you're released this morning of that tension that becomes an aim, and you're going to hit the target in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.